0: Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast, Fill in the Gaps. We
1: are four experienced Cambridge certified teachers.
2: We meet each week trying to fill in gaps related to issues in ELT with our own experiences. We are Alan,
1: Samra, Fatma
3: and Julia. We hope that our discussions will inspire you and help you navigate your ways through different approaches in teaching. So let's get started. Hi everyone today in our podcast we are going to talk about uh, giving feedback and uh, its effectiveness and our aim today is to discover different ways of giving feedback as well as error correction and we'll have a look at how we can manage this process in uh, the most effective way shall we
0: Yeah, let's do that. And it is, I think, particularly important after the episode of homework, right? Because after their homework, students are waiting for their feedback. And not only feedback, they're going to go with uh, error correction too. So uh, feedback is important because um, it uh, tells students about their progress.
1: Okay, to be honest, um, feedback is one of the things that I do struggle a little bit with. And I know that it's important because the student would like to have feedback on the work that they have done, but I struggle with finding a way to do it without upsetting the student. Of course, when I give them feedback, I try to give them as much positive feedback as I can, but sometimes it's also negative feedback that you have to give on something. And and when I say negative feedback, I mean like error correction on some stuff but it's very important to give the feedback in a way that they understand that it's not about them or it's not about the personality, but it's just about the learning process and that it's something we do just to help them. Um, but it's, I do struggle with it because I don't want to upset them. And sometimes I can see students that they get upset because they take it so personally versus I try to explain like, this is the learning process. And in the end, um, errors just show that you are doing some improvement right it's part of the learning process in the end
2: it is interesting when you talk about the student perspective and then you see like you know the disappointment in their faces um so i, I thought I'll, I'll share something that that happened to me as a as a student like when i when i was um studying french at school i had this really really interesting french teacher um and we, we used to do a lot of written homework and um you know we would prep for the work, um, we'd do the work. he would give us a like a like a um, a fair copy he used to call it like a, a model version so it was, a, it was a really nice way of like learning writing skills and one of the things he did was that he did like a double marking scheme. so he used to like deduct points for like problems and he wouldn't he wouldn't obviously he wouldn't correct everything, but then he did this thing called tick points. Where if you use like a nice phrase or you would found something really cool in the dictionary or you pick something up, um, I don't know, from a film or whatever, you know, you'd uh, you'd get bonus points. So then you could like you could drag your mark from being negative up into a positive. And I used to find that really motivational because um, it rec- it recognized that, yeah, there were problems. But at the same time, it showed you that you'd achieved something as well. So I like that. And that made me feel good.
3: That's really interesting. And also it leads us to the uh, purposes we should consider the purposes of giving feedback uh, in general. So let's say it helps our students to understand what they did right, what they have accomplished and uh, what they did uh, not as well as they probably could. But as it's something what shows them the way to develop and uh, where they need to develop. At the same time, depending on which type of feedback we choose, we can see that we can motivate our learners. As uh, Ellen, you mentioned uh, your your example was amazing, and um, at the same time, we can see that it may develop learners' autonomy. And these days, especially, it's really important. Our students not all the time understand uh, the uh, the purpose of f- feedback. And they might find it quite unnecessary or sometimes they want us to provide all the feedback and spood feed them with all the correct answers, which is not all the time beneficial. Though the purposes of feedback overall, whether it is uh, writing feedback or oral feedback, um, is can be put into three fundamental purposes so let's say to improve the fluency to improve the accuracy motivate our students and develop the learner's autonomy at the same time we can see that we show our students that we are attentive to their progress and that we are interested in uh, them achieving something more yeah
0: I totally agree with you. And they should, you were right about stud, that the fact that students should know the purpose of the feedback. And as far as I can see from Ellen's example, they could, I mean, he could understand what parts were praised. And uh, there was this video Ellen shared with us, we will share with you too. And uh, Harmer was talking about um, a way of giving feedback and just using well done. So when you just say well done, and when you don't say anything else, the students are they, they are in question. They, they are wondering what they did uh, correctly. So you should be able to give more uh, details about what uh, what good things that they have achieved, and. Um, I think when you don't, I mean, feedback should be there in our classes. They are expected from us. But with fluency work, we generally say that we don't, you know, stop students, uh, we let them talk. And this just remind me what Julia said. Because we want them to struggle with the language in a way, right? We want them to negotiate meaning. This is another comment, by the way, by Harman. This is not my my thoughts, by the way. So we want that we want them to struggle a little bit with the language, discover their ways of um, transferring meaning. And then if they can't do that, of course we can we can provide some feedback there but still they should experience it and they should just realize their mistakes and just get feedback from the environment itself. And if they can't do that, of course, we will be there to help them and guide them to better uh, ways to um, convey meaning.
2: Can I ask ask you guys a question about feedback? Um, I I, I don't really, I don't have to do any kind of like, um, I suppose, any written feedback with my university classes, but what I do have to do is give um, feedback for spoken assessments. Um, I don't know, do, do you think there's more feedback involved in speaking or, or in written work? Um, like, like I said, my experience of written feedback is quite limited, so there's only... The, the amount of feedback that I have done has been quite limited, I would say. Which which skill do you think is more involved? Is it is feedback more more... Prevalent or relevant, even in in spoken English or in written English.
0: I think, to me, in in uh, written language work, you I mean, because the language is there, you can actually go back or. And the students had some time to write those parts too. And they are kind of trying to show you whatever they have in terms of vocabulary and grammar. So I think their language are, I mean, they, they, we have more examples of their interlanguage or what uh, their progress. So I think uh, in written um, work, feedback takes more part in speaking because there are other um, social or psychological effects in the way. So maybe it's not only their language we are giving feedback to, but still it is, uh, it's is—it's an element of speaking too. I mean, yeah, I'm just questioning myself here. But yeah, of course speaking too, but I think for in terms of language, I think, uh, written work involves more feedback and more chances opportunities to get feedback uh, from the teacher.
2: Cool. What What do you think is the the, the main differences between error correction and feedback? I, I I think I I often kind of I often see them as as one and the same. Like I I don't know. What's is there a clear distinction between the two?
1: I mean, I would say that error correction is something that most of the time I do at the moment about whatever it is that we are studying, right? Um, I mean, if we have speaking and there is something um, that is being expressed wrong, or maybe if we are learning something that week, let's say we are learning, I don't know, the past perfect, and then the student um, is not able to form the sentence, let's say, Um, but when I think about feedback in general it's not something for the moment for me at least it's something that um, I talk to the student to one-to-one and I check the whole progress that the student made like I follow the most of the time like for a whole year so I'm like I can see that you have progressed in this area and that area and this is where you express yourself better versus when it comes to homework I feel like can put in a little more a little bit more effort right um so it's a bit for me more general and it's also about their participation and about their effort versus um error correction is more about the language that they use at that moment
3: and uh regarding The difference between feedback and error correction. Let's say we can see that feedback is kind of umbrella term and feedback may include error correction. By error correction, we mean mainly some mistakes or errors that our students make, and we help them define them either on spot or with a delayed correction. Um, Regarding feedback, uh, we can see that uh, our feedback may refer to the overall achievement of the task or the progress, as Samra has mentioned, and we can see that uh, both take place in our classroom and uh, also outside of the classroom when we provide our written feedback, let's say, on some particular narrative. Um, We can say that feedback is really important and some people assume that we might uh, define uh, feedback into two um, summative and formative and people debate which is more effective, let's say. Some people say that summative is considered to be assessment of learning and students may not benefit from it because they just see the score and uh, it may refer to some tests that we give them when they see their mistakes or sometimes we don't really have enough time to show them their mistakes. We just assess and we put this uh, summative assessment and um, inform just the final score that they get. Um, and uh, assessment for learning That's something what I would say is uh, what I do with my students more often than summative. Maybe it's not good. Maybe I need to include more summative assessments as well, but I will be honest with you guys. I don't really have enough time for summative assessments and I can see I I have tried it with my students. And I remember that, uh, first of all, it's impossible to provide feedback uh, to everyone on summative assessment and uh, feedback on it requires enormous, uh, enormous timing. So I would spend definitely ages uh, writing or um, providing my oral feedback. It doesn't really matter. In any case, it's our time, uh, teacher's time. And when we deal with the assessment, uh, which is formative, let's say on the go, when they speak or when they write and when they have this process writing during the lesson, we can see that uh, we can engage our students as well. And uh, they can also learn from each other while peer correction, which is also part of uh, uh, good time management and cluster management because we engage our students and we give them the responsibility. We, We make them more independent, and at the same time, they can develop analytical skills. They can understand what was right, what was wrong. They can compare where they might improve. They can see the the areas of improvement. And the most important thing is when we talk about peer correction, is to show our students how they can do it, to model it, and to show them how to make it a more environment um, a a friendlier environment, uh, and to create this uh, environment for them to provide this feedback to each other. And finally, the teacher can play the role and should play the role of uh, uh, the, let's say, the observer. And finally, the one who summarizes the whole feedback into some meaningful two, three, four sentences. But providing feedback to the whole classroom during the lesson, I find quite time consuming. Mm, And I think that you also encountered it in your classrooms when you have more than 10 students, it's quite a challenge, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely, Julia. I think it's really important for payers to provide each other feedback and because it was mentioned in the parts that we read together, uh, students have some idea about the others progress too. So it will be easier for them to talk about their progress and using that in class as a classroom activity, I mean, saves us some time, also um, helps them to be autonomous. And I mean, there are lots of, I can't really um, mention all the advantages of using an assessment um, activity as a classroom activity, but there are many. I just want to share with you my own experience. When I first started teaching, I was always stopping students, correcting them because I thought that it was my job. You know, I'm, I'm there. I can provide them the uh, correct version of the language. And I was stopping them all the time. And I was playing a lot of games, so I, I don't think my mm-hmm. classes were were a lot boring. But then I changed my perspective. Right now, I'm tr- I'm more trying to let them experience, let them speak. But then I, I I actually mentioned that before. Then I think that I'm not doing my job because I'm I'm always just there, just enjoying myself, and they're doing whatever. And then maybe sometimes I mention some parts, and I come to think of. Um, right now I am in a position where I think that feedback should be there in some form because I had some students they were kind of like why aren't you correcting them because they are using the, the wrong version of I don't know a verb or they are using the language incorrectly why don't you correct them because you know they expect me to correct them at some point maybe not just stop them but so I, right now I'm trying to give more part more role to feedback in my classes. And you know trying to find the right way is really important because I think this this is the part way which is really personal. We should know our teach our students. We should provide uh, the personal feedback for them so um, we don't offend, offend them in any way so it is a struggle for me too this is what i'm
1: trying to say um fatma i can definitely resonate to everything that you say i think maybe it's a bit i don't know culturally or the teaching system that we have the idea of a teacher that is there and that corrects and i also had that a little bit of the beginning but i also realize and i see you know being a teacher is also a lot about setting up the atmosphere so we set up the atmosphere, we prepare the tasks, and then we create the opportunity to speak English. And, and that is a lot that we do, and I don't know why we don't see the value of what we are doing enough in that point, you know? And I, the way that I do it, what I've realized that I want to do, better to say, um, coming back to the definitions, I do differentiate between local errors and global errors. Uh, and just to remind uh, all of us what it means local errors are the ones which do not prevent the message from being heard versus global errors which do hinder the communication so when students i don't know they use the wrong past form of anything or for example the present simple when when they say she don't like chocolate we all know it's wrong but like you said i will not stop them because i want to i want them to continue speaking if that day's focus is, of course, not the present simple. Um, if that main aim of that day was to teach present simple, maybe I would stop them. But if it's not, then I let it go. The, the moment that I would interfere is when the message is not being um, sent the way that, it, that it's supposed to, right? And sometimes I will give them an example. And I say, okay, what is the difference between she apologized to him and she apologized for him? because the message is not the right one that we are sending, right? the meaning changes. And that is the moment where I do stop and where I would correct the students um, because they need to know about the difference. But then like you said, yeah, um, I also don't see the sense in correcting the students all of the time because I've also realized that it really, um, it damages their self-confidence, especially when you do it in front of the class and in front of everybody. Um, So this is why I try not to use any name if they pronounce the word wrong, but I'm like, okay, everybody, let's have a look at the pronunciation of this word. Let's check the dictionary all together. And then that is the only way that I try to do it.
0: Um, I think that's the right way because I just think about a situation where your students are making... Uh, mistakes all the time about let's say past tense and you don't want to correct them because this is a speaking activity you don't correct them they just continue doing that but some some students just realize that and just they just look at you uh, and they're they're wondering if they are if you're going to correct their mistakes or not but you don't because it's a speaking activity it just continues like that and after a while students will think either you don't realize their mistakes you don't know enough this is the f- worst case scenario. And the other thing they will think that you're just ignorant of their mistakes and you don't really want to try more for their learning. And I think really it is the right attitude. And I, I try to do that too in my classes.
2: It's quite difficult to strike, to strike a good balance for for feedback and, and correction in classes. I think I'll, I'll share something that's quite embarrassing, actually. Um, d- During my CELTA, someone shared a tip for, um, but and, you know, a very common error in, in English learners, which is like omitting third person S. And I said, you can make a little sign and you hold it up every time someone makes that mistake. And uh, this was like, I don't know, like maybe week three or four of the CELTA. Anyway, um, at the time I was teaching like business English classes in, in Istanbul. And um, so my next lesson, I had my little sign And I took it into my lesson and I showed, I explained to the students what I was going to do. And at first they thought, oh, this is fun. And at the end they said, can you stop now? Like, it was just, I don't know, it was was something they, it was correcting something they already knew was wrong. And like continually highlighting that they was wrong. It wasn't really adding value to the lesson. Um, And I think ever since that day I've been, uh, I've been very aware about how I, make corrections or, or how I give feedback and uh, I still cringe when I think about that but uh, it's a tip that everyone still shares and it still goes around and people still say you know what you should do third person s. make a sign don't do it don't do it people
1: and that's something that also Crashin mentions in the article that we read and maybe we can also give a link to that where he says that um, don't give students the feedback because they might not be ready for it I mean, just because you understand it at that moment doesn't mean that you are ready to integrate it into your speech. And coming back to what you said, Julie, about summative assessment, especially at the end of the year, yeah, when we have too many students, it's very difficult to do that. But again, I don't like to do it if the students don't want to hear about the feedback. So I do kind of wait for those students who come to me in private and when they're like, I have improved, haven't I? And then I know, okay, they are ready for the feedback and they are ready to hear, like what I think about it, you know. But it, I think there is no sense if we prepare that feedback and we talk to them, but but they don't want to hear it or they are not ready for it. So I think it's it's also very important to not to forget that learning language it's it's really teamwork. It's not only something that we are teaching them, but but they are re- ready to learn as well.
3: That's true, Samra. And um, one more thing that uh, I remember from my experience, the error correction. Depends uh, the effectiveness of error correction also depends on uh, where you teach and in which environment is it a monolingual or multilingual environment and I remember when I switched from monolingual to multilingual and when in my group there were different people from different cultural backgrounds, I remember that uh, we encountered some uh, difficulties and some how it referred to providing peer feedback. Uh, at that point I remember that some students seem to be more abrupt than the others and uh, it depends on directness that is in one culture or another which is acceptable let's say Dutch people are really direct it's in their culture and uh, they they are ready to provide you with uh, exactly the words that they want to say whereas other people let's say those from Russia or uh, from Turkey they would think twice before providing this feedback in the way it should be and probably they will leave some information for you to deduce from the context that they provide you. And um, that's something what made me think of, uh, we probably cannot say which feedback is better, which feedback is worse. I would say that it might happen that we need to probably care about the environment where we teach and uh, just our feedback according to the environment, according to the cultural background of our students and show them this difference as well. Because when we see different people, it doesn't really matter whether it is a monolingual or a multilingual classroom. When our task is uh, to demonstrate them Mistakes that uh, can be stigmatized, and uh, that can stigmatize the uh, the whole process of understanding, and that can be that can lead to kind of misunderstanding and abruptness in uh, communication, which I would say is um, really important. For example, right now, I have the person at home, a worker who speaks Russian, but it's not her mother tongue. However, she can speak very well and she uses some particular structures in the language which are quite abrupt and uh, uh, really indirect, Uh, sorry, they are really direct, which is uh, not uh, acceptable in Russian language whatsoever when you don't really know the person as well as the difference in age let's say with the help of some particular language we can show our respect I think it uh, it's something what uh, takes place in different languages however in English it's uh, it's not so um, evident and we can we cannot say that you, uh, can distinguish the uh, formality uh, level, right? So in this case, we can see that uh, you would refer to you as singular and you as something uh, w- when we refer to the person who uh, we respect. And we don't really think about the level of respect when we uh, deal with the pronoun you. Whereas in other languages, like in Russian, we deal and we care about that. When you say you, uh, there are two different use like I think that uh, we have the same in uh, in German language in uh, German uh, group of languages where we have this differentiation and it all leads to some misunderstanding which we definitely need to show and we need to show that grammatically it may be correct but pragmatically the sentence and the way the person delivers the message might differ and uh, the message itself may suffer. So let's say when we deal with uh, the error correction, I would say that um, our students may benefit from getting this information about intercultural differences and where it is Mm, especially when we deal with English what is uh, more acceptable and what is less acceptable the register the formality level and uh, uh, let's say um, the degree of formality is something what our students need to be aware of when uh, they provide feedback themselves and when we teach them uh, any kind of information when we provide our feedback to them.
0: Definitely, they are the most important parts, actually. Because if we don't uh, give them feedback about that uh, that sort of things, they will just accept that their performance is OK. And they can just repeat what they did in the class in the real life. So they will be. Uh... All right,
3: guys. Um, I think that uh, it leads us to some conclusion where we need to consider some key things, some key characteristics of effective feedback. And if we summarize everything, what we have been through today, we can put it into five sentences and uh, five uh, uh, things that might conclude it. So first of all, effective feedback is about learning tasks. Second of all, effective feedback is specific and related to learning goals as uh, Fatma has mentioned previously. Then if we talk about the third point that we discussed, effective feedback is appropriately challenging. It shows the areas of development for the future. And as uh, Samra has mentioned today, we need to show our students uh, this, the, the feedback that they are ready for without overwhelming them with unnecessary information in our feedback. As the fourth one, we can see that effective feedback entails the active involvement of the learner. And uh, here we talk about peer feedback, peer error correction. And finally, effective feedback is the combination of the positive and negative that we have been talking about today. So, thank you for listening to us, and I hope that you liked our talk today. For more information, you can contact us and uh, see you in our new episode. Bye. Bye for now. Bye.
2: And so, here we are at the end of another episode of Belinda Gap.
3: Thanks, everyone, for a great conversation, and thank you for listening.
1: Feel free to get in touch via email with questions, comments or suggestions for future discussion topics.
0: Check out the description for useful links and contact details. See you for the next episode.